This is the Detection at Scale podcast, a new show designed to help security practitioners succeed at managing and responding to threats at a modern cloud scale. As the volume of data increases and the attack surface expands, it's never been more important to stay ahead of the curve. Each episode will feature interviews with leading security practitioners, thought leaders, and company founders who are building the next generation of security tools. I'm your host, Jack Naglieri, founder and CEO of Panther Labs. Now let's get into today's show. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Detection at Scale podcast. My name is Jack. Today I'm here with Nir Rothenberg, who's the CISO at Rapid, a fintech SaaS, or I guess fintech as a service platform that enables merchants to get money from any currency and really enable this global network of payments. So Nir, welcome to the show. Really excited to have you. Really excited to be here. Could you tell us a little bit about your background in security and, and how you got started and how that led to where you are today as CISO? Yeah, so I really like talking about my background. It always catches people unprepared. You know, I'm from Israel, right? So everybody's like, oh, you're a CISO. You were probably in one of those intelligence units. I'm like, nope. They're like, oh, so you probably studied computer science. I'm like, nope. So I studied chemistry. I'm a chemist. So, you know, I tried to make crystal meth, obviously sucked. So I had no choice to go to cyber. But in reality, when I started, it was, I think, 12 years ago. I didn't even know what cyber was. I remember being in the Central Bank of Israel doing like an IT, what we used to call IT security or IT assurance. It wasn't even security, it was assurance. And then somebody's like, you know what, you're doing cyber. I'm like, what's a cyber? Like, I was pretty sure they made that word, like, you know, a cyborg. What's a cyber? I remember that. There wasn't a thing. Like, no, no, it's cyber. It's just, you're all doing cyber. I'm like, okay. So I guess I do cyber now. So I studied chemistry because I thought it was interesting. And, you know, I always uh, like computers. And then I started working in consulting, just doing a lot of cybersecurity projects for and, and what we used to call IT assurance again, not cybersecurity, for banks in Israel and for uh, credit to card companies here. And then slowly started moving towards uh, high-tech companies, which are really strong. And then I actually got my first CISO role. It wasn't called CISO, but same thing, head of security in a company called NSO Group, which uh, anybody who's in security knows that they're like the bad guys, you know, I have to do like it's bad guys because, you know, if you read about them, you always read about them in the context that they hack cell phones now. So I led their security for three years and, you know, we can talk about that because that's really interesting stuff. You know, what it's like working for a company that specializes in hacking iPhones and Android, basically the, the most secure things in the world because, you know, iPhone security is like, you know, one of the strongest there is. So it was really interesting working there and helping them out. And they sell basically cyber espionage tools to governments to stop terror attacks and crime. So they're actually a good company. They, they really try to do good. But again, once you hack stuff, especially cell phones, people get very sensitive over that. And also espionage, it's a pretty interesting business, right? Because you're spying on people. That's what you do, you know, like James Bond. Nobody's like, hey, James Bond, come talk in my church. Tell me what a great guy you are, right? But he's still like trying to save the world, right? So I worked there for three years. Then I wanted a little bit like, you know, just to go to a normal tech company that, that wasn't in the news every week, but I went to Rapid, <laughs> which is in the news a lot, but in better context, because basically what Rapid is trying to do is be the AWS of fintech, which means they're trying to build fintech infrastructure and finance infrastructure that anybody can use from just a mom and pop shop in the UK till the biggest enterprise in the world. We all know who they are. They could all use Rapid 
because we're just connected to everywhere and we our infrastructure does any use case that you can do. It's very flexible. Same thing, just like AWS that, you know, when you start your startup and you're, you know, one or two guys, you were on Amazon and you have uh, companies like Capital One and, and even bigger companies all on uh, AWS and it serves you both the same. So that's what Trap is trying to do with finance and we're scaling crazy. So it's again, uh, detection at scale. So we got scale, we're global and we're dealing with money. So there's a lot at stake here and it's very, very interesting. And also the company, it's a company that likes DJs. It likes to do really crazy stuff. For instance, now we have something called Hack the Galaxy where it's a developer contest to get our developer community going. And the first prize is a ticket to space. They actually rented a shuttle to space. So like, I don't know other companies are sending developers to space, <laughs> but Rapid is sending it. Like, unfortunately, I'm not a developer or I would be developing FinTech applications for Rapid trying to get my ticket to space, but that's what we're doing. Maybe some inspiration for you when Panther, uh, you know, gets to the higher valuations, but uh, that's what we're doing to kind of develop a community. So, you know, it's a crazy company in a very different sense than NSO. Suddenly you have to, and William Shatner is the spokesperson. Suddenly they're coming to me at the C. So, hey, we need you to kind of secure this thing we're doing. And I'm like, oh, what is it? It's like, oh, we're having this international contest where the winner goes to space. And we're having like puzzles and quizzes for developers. And we have to make sure nobody hacks this because it's, you know, a lot of money on the line. I'm like, okay, I never thought I would like do that. So we can't have William Shatner being hacked, right? So that's interesting. So, you know, pretty varying career that, you know, I saw a lot of things. Again, Rapid's like a cloud-only company that's, you know, very focused on scale in the cloud. And NSO is an on-prem company that sells on-prem solutions to governments, very different clientele. You know, we can sell to anybody in the world in Rapid. NSO sold only to government bodies. So very, very different. So, you know, I got some context also as far as detection. You know, back in NSO, we built a SOC you know, 24-7 SOC, old school, like, you know, in Rapid, we're trying like the new methodology and, and to use cloud vendors and to use a little different kind of uh, methods. And, you know, it's very interesting and very fun to, to do that. Wow, that's an amazing background. And the opportunity to go to space, that's awesome. I can't believe yeah. so I, I wouldn't know because I'm not going. Even if I wasn't working in Rapid and I could participate, I just can't develop really. I, you know, when I studied chemistry, I got like a pretty high grade in like, I know Java for chemists or something, but since then uh, it's only been downhill. So, so no prizes for me. But if you guys are developers and you want to go to space, check it out. I will. I'm going to definitely tweet about it. Oh, that. you're a developer. You can go. So I'm so, a developer. So, send I'm a developer turned CEO. So, you know, yeah. I don't write code anymore or else I get yelled at. Yeah. It sounds like you got a lot of time to, to figure this uh, hackathon out. Oh yeah, I have tons of time. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm curious on your transition from NSO to Rapid and predominantly around the mentality around detection in a on-prem world going to a cloud world. Can you talk a little bit about like what you learned in that transition? Yeah, I learned that anybody who's doing on-prem is left behind. That's the truth. It's not even a sad truth. It's just the truth of nature. That's how the world works today. And, you know, that's something I figured out in NSO, and it just made me, that's one of the reasons I really want to move on, because I felt that if I stay in on-prem CISO, my career is stuck. And, you know, when I figured it out, I remember I talked to a very big, one of the top security companies in the world, and they were showing us their, like, cloud solutions, and everything they have in the cloud, they didn't have on-prem. And I said, no, I need it on-prem, I need it on-prem. And they said, but it won't work on-prem because of the scale. And then I say, but look, I got like six really good guys here. And they're like, we got 60,000 engineers working on this problem. You got six guys 
And that like stuck with me. Like, how can you compete with that scale? I mean, look, you guys are a detection company. How many guys are you already? 200, 100? And you're good people. So even if I have, we'll talk about rapid. Let's say I have like, you know, six studs. I'm not going to be able to compete with even if you're 60 or 100 or whatever your number or 10,000. It's really hard to compete with that. It's almost impossible to compete. And that's what's so great about uh, cloud. And not to mention that that's after you have all the legacy stuff you have to do on-prem, which is maintain servers and things break and you got to go and you got to work in your data center all the time. You got to make sure you back up and you have to physically buy the backup system and physically put it in some other data center and configure everything. And it just takes so much time and energy just to do that, that you guys don't have time to really build a strong anything, basically. So it's not that it's impossible. It's just that it takes an enormous amount of resources that most companies don't have. And especially in today's hiring market, you can't even find the guys because all the great guys, they don't want to work for you on-prem. They want to go to the cloud company and join the 10,000 developers who are doing it right. So that's what I really felt and I was frustrated. It's not that you can do some stuff, but it's really hard to do to be good. And anybody in security who's good wants to do the best job they can, right? So I just felt I was like, you know, tying one hand behind my back and going, going finding Floyd Mayweather, right? So probably with two hands, I, I no, definitely don't have a chance either way. So, but please give me my other hand. So that, that's how I felt. It's really interesting. I think in the cloud-based world, build versus buy is a much easier decision because prior to the cloud-based world, we just didn't have options, right? But now we do. And now these SaaS vendors do exist and yeah. they are making our lives a lot easier. So... And not only that, they're making, it's not only about ease, it's about excellence. It's about doing the best thing. And when you have, you know, even a small company of ninjas or even a big company that's at the stock market, might be a little more clunky and big. Either way, they're doing a better job than you. You know, you can configure, you can work, you can do a lot of good stuff. But ultimately, if you're trying to do it yourself and you're trying to do it yourself on-prem, you begin in a disadvantage. It's not impossible. It's just much, 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 much harder. So you're probably going to end up having less of a success. So, you know, you have to find the, the, the right organization. So that's what I learned. So when I moved to Rapid and suddenly I didn't have these constraints, I felt like, wow, I can do amazing things, you know, or at least try to do amazing things, right? And I can get a lot of help because you need a lot of help in cyber and you need to partner with startups and you need to sometimes use the big vendors and you need to sometimes, you know, kind of configure stuff yourself. And if you mix it right, then you can get really good results and feel very comfortable in what you do. And you can do it at scale, which is, again, that's the most important part when you build a big company that's supposed to deal with a lot of financial transactions or anything you want to do. So let's talk a little bit about detection. So on the topic of protecting and moving to cloud and things like that, like what was your approach for designing Rapid's detection platform or detection program, I should say? So my first thing was I'm against socks. I think maybe it's controversial. This is my opinion. Maybe, you know, you know, in cyber, I'm always afraid to jinx myself, you know, because that's what's going to stop it. But I feel like building a sock today, just having an analyst, just wasting a headcount of a guy whose job is just to look at a screen and a dashboard is the biggest waste of time and time you can do. Now, a little bit about myself. In Rapid, I manage a few things. First, I'm the CSO, so anything security, from physical security, security guards, and cameras, door locks, cloud, AppSec, monitoring, GRC, anything, that's me. Then I also manage all of IT. So everybody's computers, onboarding, IT service, switches, routers for offices, firewalls, anything, new offices we build, you know, uh, cabling, routing, anything, that's me. 
And then the third thing, information systems. So the CRM, the, the ERP and integrators, developers, in-house apps we have, that's all another team that a big team that does all that stuff. So again, my background is security. So, so don't tell my teams, but I don't really know what I'm doing in IT. And uh, they're probably not going to listen to this. It's about security. So my IT and IS teams, my information systems team, they're probably not going to listen. But seriously, so I do have a little bit of an IT background because I did work in IT teams uh, in my career. Uh, but you know, I, you can't say that I'm like you know a CIO turned CISO. I'm a CISO turned CISO that manages IT. You know, but still. So right away when I came to Rapid. The first guy I hired was a system administrator. And I told him, you're not a system administrator anymore because you don't work for an IT manager. You work for a CISO. So you're an IT and security engineer. And even if I hired help desk with seven months experience, and I say, from now on, you're an IT and security engineer. The way I'm going to judge you right now is not by if you install a lot of computers or fix a lot of tickets. It's if you are security aware. When you onboard a new employee, it's not enough for you to tell him the IT policies. You got to explain the security policy. This is your job as well. So learn it and do it. So I'd rather hire a help desk that knows a little bit of IT and then have him do monitoring as part of his job and have him wake up at night from automation, then have some guy just be bored in a sock staring at a screen. It doesn't mean we don't have 24-7 monitoring because we do, because first off, we use MDR vendors. You know, there's some good ones. And second, we have monitoring for our solution that I have them, you know, kind of make sure that the automation works because you want to, and then the you do want a human just to make sure but they don't know anything about security. They don't need to know. They just need to make sure that when something happens, everything works correctly. And if not, they, they should escalate. So basically, it's a network problem. It's not even a security problem. And then the day, I would rather invest in people who, when they get an alert, they can triage it and solve and start to really understand it than just you know, a tier one guy that just looks at it and he's like, oh, this goes there. So that's why I did take an MDR because, again, it did solve a lot of our, our problems, especially for compliance reasons. And, you know, I'm pretty happy with our MDR vendor that they, you know, they give us good service. But for a lot of our alerts, you know, MDRs, they put their agent there and then that's what they do. But if it's, you know, in your network, if it's anything else or in our product, you know, they can't monitor my product for me, you know. So all the other stuff we do internally and I hire people who can, their job is to keep improving the monitoring capabilities, the automation capabilities, the remediation capabilities, and then also triage the alert. And, and they care about it because they build it. So if they get a false positive at night, in the morning, they're fixing the reason it happened. So that's kind of the way I see it. And, and so far, it's working It's working good because people aren't bored. There's no sock burn, right? Yeah, fatigue. Fatigue, sock fatigue or whatever, you know, there's other fatigue, you know, security is tough. We don't see too much sock fatigue and the people we hire, they understand that it's a first step into their security career. And I've had that. I've hired people to be help desk, IT security engineers, taught them monitoring, taught them cloud, and then they became cloud security engineers. And then that's it. They're in their career. They're in their career. They can get a job in any company in the world. And they know how to monitor Amazon, which is what we use, AWS. They know how to, what detection are important. They start thinking like a security person. And maybe before that, they were just, you know, connecting computers, but they're smart, they're intelligent, and they're hardworking and they move forward. So, you know, I give them the platform, they take it. And so far, you know, I've hired really amazing people uh, and I'm very fortunate in that, in that sense. I just want to call out a few things that I think should be acknowledged, which is one, I really respect your ability to outsource the things that aren't unique to Rapid and to use your team to focus on work that's uniquely specific to your company. I think that's a really good approach that everybody should take. 
And I think ultimately that's going to improve happiness of people because a problem that I, I had seen in my career was we were just working on things where we were building tools that didn't need to be built or we weren't relying on outsiders. And like you said, it's not about ease, it's about excellence. And you should focus on the things that you should just be excellent at. So I think that's exactly the right approach. Yeah, listen, after NSO, you know, I can't tell you too much there, but, but you know, at some point there was a thought, we had like some general who was our consultant and he was like, let's build an EDR. And I'm like, but why? So we hired ML people and AI people and tried to figure out how to build an EDR. You know, and this is back in the EDR boom and you had like silence, you know, before it was like all, so you had so many like great vendors, interesting vendors. And I'm like, look, they all do it. Some of them do it on-prem, some of them don't. There's so many good ones, right? Now there's like more of a consolidation in this space. So, you know, I've seen like, we used to joke, like, let's build something called an antivirus. We'll be the first one. Let's take, you know, a list of hashes and kind of compare it, you know, like there's stuff you don't build, right? So I really, I, what you say really resonates with me. It even like pinches a nerve of like wasting time that the team could really focus on improving what nobody can help you with or it's really hard to and, and doing things that are done and done and done again for absolutely no reason. Just to, like such a waste. And again, and today it's hard to compete because really people who do it for a living, you're not going to do it better than them, really. It's like me doing data centers. Like I'm not going to get to the level of a, you know, a public cloud provider. It's just not going to happen. There, the scale is it's great. You can't do that. You know, I got a better chance playing the NBA, and I suck at basketball. <laughs> I love that analogy. You keep using sports analogies. It's great. <laughs> so, in this transition from you know people looking at dashboards and graphs to automation and engineering. I'm sort of going to draw on a thread. Does that mean that your detection and response team is writing code? Or like, where do they sit on the spectrum of analyst and engineer? So again, I don't want, either they write code or they work with somebody who's writing code for them. That's a two thing. Either they understand the need because they're, again, if it doesn't work, they're the ones waking up at 3 a.m. There's no sock. There's no tier one guy suffering because they have to, build the detection, maintain it, build a response and make sure it works. And, and my methodology that I learned, you know, from a network engineer and so, you know, so, it was some guy who's been doing it, he was like 50 or something. And I was like, you know, just first year CISO, you know, first security like leader role. And I'm like, hey, look, look, look what's happening in the firewall. He's like, so? I'm like, but look, look at all these, like the, all these things are being blocked. That means somebody's like scanning us, attacking us, look at this. And he's like telling me, look, if the firewall blocks it, we don't have to do anything. It's blocked. And if the firewall doesn't block it, we don't have to do anything because we're already hacked. So in any case, we don't have to do anything. <laughs> I'm going home. So that is like, I'm like, you know what? That's a little crazy, but he's got a bit of a point, right? So like if you have a critical alert and you're not like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, then it's a false positive. You know, it's that simple. And if you get something critical and it's false positive, then you got to come in the morning. That's your number one thing to make sure that when it says critical, it's critical. So it's all about ranking and rating. And if you can't make the automation do that, you understand that because you woke up at night. So I don't call anybody. They're engineers. They're engineers. Some of them know coding more. Some of them know infrastructure a little more. And they know maybe networking or stuff like that. But they're all engineers and they work together. You know, like obviously I would wish everybody in my team would be like, you know, Python uh, specialists. And I try to train them in Python and Lambdas and, and automation as much as possible. They don't all know it, but we have some people who are very good, you know, or they can write a Terraform or whatever they need to do to make it automatic. And again, if it's like 
like a repeating problem we'd meet. And, and those are the problems that I think the team likes solving also. You know, I don't want to speak for them too much, but you know, if they can like find a solution that would solve a certain problem, then they would be very happy. At the flip side, what always worries me, even if we have a tool that I really look, you know, like sometimes you have anomaly tools that don't fire a lot and you're like, you're like okay, if this is critical, it's for real. But when that suddenly starts, you know, sometimes vendors have, you know, updates and sometimes that doesn't fire too well suddenly and suddenly people are ignoring that. Then I start getting scared because I'm like, okay, this is like the boy who cried wolf. So, and sometimes if it's a vendor, especially if it's like you use like, you know, the cloud providers inherent technology, you know, sometimes they have their tools, they're usually good. But when they start misfiring, it's really scary because what happens if it wakes the guy up at 3 a.m.? He's like, that's nothing because he's already used to it and it's fine. So, you know, as much as we can control, we do it. Sometimes we can't. And uh, I hope I answered your question. Didn't go on, on the side. <laughs> I think I... No, it was really helpful. So the topic of this podcast is always about detection at scale. And I mean, the thing I also want to call out is automation and writing code. Like these are the things required for scale, right? These are the basis of a team that will scale with the growth of the company. The thing I'm curious about is how did you have to change your approach as Rapid became more successful, acquired more customers, as your team grew, as your company grew? Like, which things broke and which things just worked? First off, as Rapid grew, we acquired companies. Now, we acquired companies. The second you acquire companies, which you acquire complexity. Because that's what happens. Because, you know, when I joined Rapid, I was, I think, the 70th employee. It was such a simple environment. I was, like, so happy. True story. After, like, a week in the job, I come to the CEO. He's my boss. And I asked him, like, are you sure you need, I'm like, I might be shooting myself in the leg here, but like, I'm not getting any emails. I'm not used to this. Like, nobody needs me. Are you sure you need to see so? And he was like laughing. He's like, just wait and see. And he got crazy really, really fast because when you're in finance, and especially when you're in global finance, you got all the regulators, all the banks, basically anybody who does the tough audits, they're always interested in you, right? They're always, you know, credit card companies, you know, credit schemes like Visa, MasterCard, right? You know, they're very, very tough auditors. And, you know, recently they, we had an audit and they're like, so what are you doing about level four merchant risk? I was like, level four? Like, do you think I figured out level three already? Like, <laughs> what's next, level seven? Like, are you jumping a few, like level four already? I got, so yeah, you got to worry about level four now. So we had to create a level four, uh, you know, merchant risk plan, which is something that's happening now. For, and, and it makes sense that there are a lot of reasons. So it gets like crazy because it's people's money and, you know, credit card information and the stuff that guys steal, right? So as we were scaling and also, you know, dealing with this more and more and more, and then at the same time, acquiring companies, acquiring complexity, you know, acquiring some on-prem that we had to migrate to the cloud, acquiring more, more accounts, more and more AWS accounts, more other accounts. And then as companies grow, they want to add more data, more analytics. So you acquire, so as a company grows, it just, if you're just like, oh, all I have is like, you know, two major vendors and it's pretty straightforward, suddenly it just bonkers. And then that's when it gets interesting, but that's when it gets really, really hard because that's when you got to choose. You know, that's when you got the gun to your head sometimes and you got to choose your money or your life, you know, and uh, you always choose your life, of course. So sometimes, you know, those are the choices sometimes you have to make as you scare, like, okay, that's going to just going to be a big risk. We're not going to look at for a few months now because we got to look at this, you know? So, and those choices, the complex choices, you don't have to make in the beginning because it's simple. So at the same time, making those complex choices ups your game, you know, because now you're playing, you know, for more marbles, right? 
You're playing for higher stakes. So that's the biggest difference. The biggest difference is the complexity. The complexity, you know? And also another thing when I'm talking about higher stakes is, you know, when you don't have too many customers, if something breaks, nobody really cares because nobody knows who you are. Maybe like one customer... But what happens when you're like a household name and you don't even know because you're right to infrastructure, you know, like the people who use you or dependent on you don't know. You know, the example I always like to give is if you go to Walmart and you come to pay and you can't because Walmart's vendor of a vendor has rapid as an infrastructure, then you just can't buy your toilet paper. It might be the, like, you know, the, the pand- a new pandemic, God forbid, or whatever it is. And it just can't happen. You just think about when the last time you went somewhere and your credit card didn't work. This just never happens. It's just one of those things that just can't happen to you. It, the day that, you know, anybody who happens to them, that's like their worst day of their life right away. Like every, it's like a story to tell your grandkids. One time in Walmart, I was going to buy toilet paper and my credit card didn't work. And that's like this, your story. That becomes like your thing. The worst thing that ever happened to you in your life. And it doesn't matter why it happens because of a cyber attack, because the CISO likes new startups and something broke something. It just can't happen. So it can't happen when you have two customers. What happens when you have 2,000 customers, 20,000 customers? What happens if they're global? It's 24-7. So you got to catch it early. You got to catch it fast. Also, the scale. If something breaks, if something's wrong, if there's a bug, it could cost you like that, $2 million. Because just the money that flows is insane. So it could cost you $2 million of lost revenue or, or lost transactions that you could have processed or a lot of other things. So the scale becomes your enemy becomes your enemy because it's always this hidden pressure and always this question like, okay, it's again, it's like you work in this giant water pipe or gas pipe or whatever, and just flowing water. And now you got to monitor that, but you got to make sure the water will wash you away. You know, so, so we're always under pressure, right? So, you know, if there's an incident and, you know, my team wakes up, it's like you got spotlights on you because if something's down, if something seems like it's going to go down, so it's like the clock is ticking and there's a lot at stake and it's all the time because payments are all the time. You know, if you want to buy something, you know, in your bedroom, in your underwear at 3 a.m., you're entitled to do that, right? And if the merchant is a rapid client, then we just have to make that work, right? So that's what's at stake here. And it goes all across the company, but monitoring is the fail safe that always has to work. Because, and it's not just security monitoring, by the way, it's monitoring, it's for debugging, it's monitoring for our customer success and support teams. So monitoring is just the most important thing because you got to know the second it happens and a lot of things you got to be having an automatic way to fix it. So, you know, really crystal clear logging that translates to very accurate monitoring that can translate into remediation as much as possible is really, really key. And that's one of the reasons I use like an MDR because that's so complex that if it's something standard, I'll just give it to a vendor. They'll do it better than me anyway. And then I could focus all my attention at this huge problem I just told you about. It's totally right. And I think the hidden pressure of scale is a good way to sort of think about it. And it's continuously increasing too. Like the pipe yeah. is getting wider every day. If you succeed, you're like digging your own grave here, right? <laughs> like the bigger you get, the more like... And the thing is, if you start wrong, then yes. you're like, the, but it's, if you figure it out and, you know, and these things happen, you know, thank God it hasn't happened to rapid too much, but I've heard around, you know, from talking to other CISOs to just, you know, tech in Israel, you hear about companies that they're like, yeah, whatever, we'll just use this, you know, cloud provider thing. And then when they need it, it's not there and it's too late. It's too late and they can't figure it out. And then they end up losing millions. And, you know, the sad thing is sometimes it's not even a cyber attack, right? It's not even because you can't even blame the bad guys. It just, 
you didn't do the right things at the right time. You can only, but you know, it's like you didn't eat well, you didn't, you didn't diet and exercise, and you got a heart attack. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like, oh, who can I blame? You can't blame anybody. You know, just so it's the same thing. You got to do it. And you got to do it as early as possible. Yeah, it's totally right because those patterns get repeated and they're much harder to fix in the future. So definitely yeah. seen that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, this has been awesome. I have one final question for you. And as you've built this very modern team that's focused on automation and scale and cloud infrastructure, like what are three pieces of advice that you give to other people wanting to build security teams in this modern way in the future? So my first advice is a technical piece of advice that's something that really helps us out is focus on logging. Not enough security people, they don't have the knowledge. They need to partner with the right people to focus not on monitoring, but to go one step before on logging. One of the issues with logging is a lot of the logging is created by developers and it's created for their purposes, which is debugging. And a lot of times it's overkill and they have their own flow. And if you connect to that to try to get the logs you need, especially in the cloud, it could cost you a lot of compute. It could waste you a lot of time. And a lot of times it's just easier to partner with R&D and say like, look, I need these five logs. I need these 10 logs and write your own logger and put that in the right places and just get your logs directly to where you need them. It could save a lot of time. It could let you just, you know, take your monitoring bit and like take it out, put another one, you'll still be fine. It will let you be a lot more compliant in a lot of uh, PCI, HIPAA and other things and you need to really keep your logs. So one of my big tips and something that worked out pretty good for us, and it's hard to do because you need somebody who really, he kind of understands AppSec and development, it can read the code, it can work with developers. It's not easy. You know, I couldn't do that. I got in the guy who's doing it for me. I think you've even met him one time uh, when we had a call in the past. But you know, he knows his stuff and he built a logger and it's huge. It's huge because it just makes everything a lot more focused on what we need. At the same time, it creates another thing you got to maintain because you know the code changes, products change, and then your logger breaks. But if you're a development company and all your logs are for debugging purposes, and then you try to monitor, it's not impossible. It can be done, but it's harder. So one of the tips is just to create your own logger and create your own logging it will just streamline the whole things afterwards a lot better. And especially in the cloud where the usage is measured, you know, your storage, your compute, all that stuff is measured and it's expensive. Sometimes it's easier just to do, you know, to shift left, so to speak, to do it there. And then it's easier, uh, you know, down the line later. That's my technical tip. All the other tips are the same tips that would I would give in almost any profession. It's all about human connections. So, you know, have grit, have grit. The people that I see succeed in my team, and I think my secret being a chemist who's a CISO now, was that I just didn't give up. You know, when I was dumb, I didn't give up. When I felt like, in the, when I was the stupidest guy in the room, and it happens a lot, I just didn't give up. I came to the room again and again and again, until I got a little less stupid. When things didn't go my way, when we had security incidents, where I messed up, I just didn't give up, and I kept coming back, and I kept learning and focusing. And then one day I look back and I'm like, wow, I came a long way. And, and you always feel it, but just the grit and not giving up. I think that's the secret to most success in anything you do. So don't give up. And uh, the last thing is stay grounded. You got to have something that will remind you that the world is big and there's other things. So it could be your kids. It could have you, you know, your sports. Go box Floyd Mayweather. You know, <laughs> if you can, that would be awesome. You'd make a lot of money. But do whatever you need to do to stay grounded 
And even if it's just an hour a week or whatever you need to do, remember the world is big and you need to be focused and grounded. And to have rich, you need to be grounded. So make sure you find the thing, whatever it is, you know, if it's family, if it's sports, if it's a friend or what your hobby, whatever it is that you do, it'll keep you grounded. And then you'll have what to be successful for, you know, and what not, because again, security is something that could really create burnout. So if you're doing it for something, you know, I happen just to be the biggest security nerd in the world. Like really just like, you know, in my free time, I'd listen to, you know, podcasts like yours. So I just, I just love security and it's awesome. And the community is awesome, but you don't have to love security if you're grounded and you're, you're focused. Uh, I mean, you're missing out if you don't. But. That was super inspiring. I really appreciate that. And I'm going to think about that for the rest of my day. Um, yeah. Really, I'm looking forward to the boxing match. <laughs> all right. I might take, I just might have to go do it, you know? Brain for yeah. that fight. I want 10% of the of the purse. <laughs> Deal. You inspired it. That's only fair. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much for the time. It was amazing to hear your perspective on all these things and looking forward to keep in touch. And yeah. We'll, thank uh, you. See y'all next time. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Detection at Scale podcast brought to you by Panther Labs. For access to the latest episodes, please visit our website at www.runpanther.io forward slash podcast. And for those interested in running Panther, head to our website, runpanther.io, to sign up for a free trial. You'll get a dedicated instance with the ability to analyze your security logs in real time at any scale powered by detections as code and sending into a very robust security data lake. Our goal is to make detection and response easy, scalable, and fast for you, the practitioner. Thanks. See you again next time.